Hey, friends and fam, it's John, and it's time for the J-Mark cast for Monday, May 8th. What's going on? How are you? I missed uh, May 4th, but may the 4th be with you. <laughs> Sorry, starting mm-hmm. off on a corny joke, just wanted to say, first of all, thank you for joining me for another week of the J-Mark cast, your number one place where you're going to get your physical and financial health sorted out through the J-Mark cast with your man, J-Mark. Of course, for those of you who know me, my name's John, last name's Martyrosian, so I just combined the two and made it shorter. Call me J-Mart if you want to, doesn't matter. I'm here to help you to make your health better, physically and financially. <laughs> Let's start on the physical side. Well, before we get into that, actually, why should you believe in me? Why should you trust me? Well, first of all, who is J-Mart? is a better question. And the answer to that belies in the previous post I made, uh, which you can check out at jmartfit.substack.com. And it's uh, a description of my childhood from the years of 9 to 12 when I was living in Moscow. And I think it's an interesting read. You can just read it, or I also have the audio version as well. You can listen to it. But I'm just sharing this part of my life in a bit of more detail so that people can know my backstory and have a better understanding of who I am and know that I'm not lying to them as I say that I actually care about your physical and financial health. I actually do. And hopefully through learning about my background, that becomes more evident and clear to you as you listen in. So check that out. And then the other thing I want to promote actually before I get into it is check out my previous podcast episode from State of Health, which is my specifically geared towards health podcast. That's the one I started first. That one's more just like going going in and talking to people who are experts in a specific subject, or also sometimes I'll go over peer-reviewed articles about a specific health topic. I've done that. Um, So check out that podcast episode that I recently did with a friend of mine who's a personal trainer. He's a fitness coach. His name's Daniel Yours, and the two of us uh, did a podcast episode talking about what our 2023, what our 2023 fitness goals are. And so we went over why we wanted to do these goals, how we're going to achieve them, and a lot of interesting kind of advice on going about making the plan as well. So if that's something that's interesting to you, if you have a plan for your fitness for this year, and you know you haven't quite started it yet, or you have, but you want some more advice on how to get to it that's a good podcast episode to check out all right let's talk about physical fitness here is an interesting framework to think about it that i think is very helpful and useful um when it comes to my personal training for how i think about training uh my body and what i'm learning what i'm spending my time on the lens that I like to look through for my own training is I try to make myself be a generalist rather than a specialist. So I like to try many different modalities of training and movement and pick out some basic skills from all these different things that I try and, you know, work on those fundamental basic skills and get fairly proficient at them such that I would be better than most beginners when they start out. And then I like to move and change modalities once I have the basics under my belt. 
And so this is a hack for continually getting newbie gains and never stopping your progress. Or when you do stop it, then you move on to some new training method. And so that way you don't waste a lot of time being stuck at a plateau. And then what you'll notice is that with your training, you start to develop this cyclical nature to it where you shift back and forth between being a generalist and then doing general training and then specializing in a specific field that like is a new field that you like are interested in or you're going back to a previous field that you had trained before and gotten some fundamentals down and now it's been some time and you're going to go back, come back to it and retrain the fundamentals and perhaps add a couple new things to your arsenal. Yeah, and this is very much what I've been doing for my personal training and I like many aspects of it. First of all, of course, it's easy to get bored with one thing. So the fact that you're trying so many different things is uh, very stimulating for the mind. Also, it's beneficial from a health perspective for the body because you're constantly changing the way that you're moving for the different uh, things that you're trying out. Then you're mitigating overuse injuries by getting the joints to articulate in different ways all the time. Yeah, so for me personally, I've done a lot of forms of training. Of course, like most people, I started off doing weight training with barbells and dumbbells. And then quickly that transitioned to doing a lot of kettlebell training and body weight training. Eventually, I got into a lot of flexibility, working on you know splits. I've also spent a lot of time working on my balance. And now... Uh, I'm specializing a little bit more in martial arts, specifically jujitsu. And then in order to support that jujitsu, now I'm breaking off or branching off into a new field, endurance training, specifically running. So yeah, think about your training in that way as well. Go back and forth between general training and specific training and you know try out different modalities so that you're not bored all the time and also to mitigate the risk of overuse injuries and remember to keep in mind that when you're doing different modalities all the time the initial thing you were working on whatever pinnacle you got to when you go back to it you won't be at that same pinnacle so you'll have to work yourself back to it but it'll feel a lot easier and then with the qualities that you've built from the new things that you've been trying out you might be able to push past your first kind of plateau that you got to. So specifically one, before I move on from this uh, physical fitness aspect of things to financial fitness, one, um, I'll leave you with one uh, insight I've had about running. So for the longest time when I was running, I always only did four foot striking when I was running because I thought that was the superior way to run because you land on the ball of your foot and then use the elastic capacity of your Achilles heel to bounce you uh, for the next step, basically, as you're running. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense. But then when we think about it, um, when we're walking, when we're walking, we do heels first. We strike the heel first, then the, the forefoot 
uh, as we step through and go on to the next step. And so why is that? So as I've been thinking about it, I've been learning and, you know, uh, consuming a lot of information and something I hadn't realized until I really thought about it for a long time is how locomotion, when you're walking forward or when you're running, it's a series of acceleration and deceleration, starting up and slowing down, starting up and slowing down. And so one thing to think about is if we want to run efficiently, we want to minimize the amount that we're slowing ourselves down, right? And so that when you have that perspective and then you realize that when you use your forefoot, you use it more for braking than you do so when you use your heel, right? If you think about when you're just walking, why don't you put your forefoot down? It's because it slows you down and it's super awkward to walk that way. You put your heel down first and you roll onto the forefoot and then that way you glide forward. The only time when you're walking and you put your forefoot down is when you're going downhill, like let's say down a set of steps, then you need to put your forefoot down first to slow yourself down so that you don't fall. And so when you're running and you use the forefoot to basically break and slow yourself down, you're using up more energy to, to, to slow yourself down than you would be if you were heel striking. I realized this. However, this is only true, I feel like, at, at low speeds. So at low speeds that are more similar to how you would, how fast you would be when you're walking, um, it makes sense to heel strike, especially if you've got the appropriate shoes with cushioning on the heel, then it, it's a lot easier to take the force of that impact uh, through the heel up to the rest of the body. So yeah, at low speeds and also when the stride length, that means the step between the length between each step as you're running, if it's not too long, then it's very easy to just heel strike as you're running and be able to absorb the impact of the ground through the heel because you have the appropriate shoes and also because you're not stepping that far and so the impact is not as great. But at some point, there will be a speed at which the stride length the distance between each step that you take while you're running increases so much that it makes more sense to do a little bit of a jump up and down. And at that point, I think the impact of the run increases significantly and you're speeding up so much more that it's hard to slow yourself down with your heels. So it makes more sense to land on the forefoot. Now that's different for every person. It, the, the speed and the stride length are going to be different for every person at which point you want to switch from running by heel striking to um, landing on your forefoot when you're running when you're running and i think it's this is a very important epiphany that i've had because it now affords me to uh, train both ways of running and get good at both and have multiple tools in my tool set to apply for different parts of the run and that's what I've kind of realized is I was very dogmatic and it was like always land on the forefoot when I didn't realize that, you know, there could be different times at which point you might want to have different strategies to apply for when you're running. And it's good to have more than one option. And so that's exactly what I've noticed in my own training is as, is as I'm training heel striking now at my low speeds that I'm running at, 
at some point I do get tired of doing that and I need to switch to uh, going on my forefoot for like the second half of my run, let's say. And I feel much better. I feel much more confident having these two different options available to me. All right, let's finish off the physical health portion there and move on to some financial health stuff. As we do that, let's do a quick Bitcoin update. We are sitting on block height 788,713. The price of one Bitcoin is 28,557 US dollars. For one US dollar, you can buy 3,502 Satoshis. Don't forget that Satoshis, or SATs for short, are the smallest subunit of one Bitcoin, which can be subdivided 100 million times. Speaking of Satoshis, actually, remember I mentioned that I've done a podcast with Dan, my buddy Dan, earlier from State of Health. I've set up that podcast and this one, JMartCast, to both be something that you can stream sats to through podcasting 2.0 apps. So check those out. The one that seems to be the most popular one is called Fountain. There's another one called Breeze. That one's pretty good too. And Podverse. I haven't tried that one yet, but that one I think is the OG and is supposed to be pretty good as well. Check those out through those podcasts. You can stream Satoshis to me to support me for the podcast and to show your appreciation. Oh yeah, and I forgot to mention that the Satoshis that were streamed to me for the State of Health podcast, they were actually streamed for my first ever podcast with my buddy Dan. So not the most recent one. This is the first one that I've done with, with him, which is actually from a couple of years back, I believe at this point. And so it's interesting. I just made that podcast uh, like be able to receive uh, sats from someone streaming and then boom, somebody uh, uh, hopped onto that podcast and streamed me sats for like the first podcast episode I did with my friend. So big thank you to that stranger. Bitcoiners are very generous. They will give sats to you for something that they perceive value in. So thank you to those people who saw value in the podcast that I did with Dan. All right. The first thing about financial health that I want to touch on is this thing I saw in the news a couple weeks ago. So this guy named Hugh Pill, which, who is a chief economist at the Bank of England, the Central Bank of England, uh, Hugh Pill, he basically was uh, on the UK tabloids for saying that the Britons need to accept the fact that they're going to be poorer. Right. So be, with all the money printing and inflation that happened through the COVID pandemic, now with, you know, prices skyrocketing for everything important, specifically energy, they've had a huge spike in energy prices in England. We're lucky here in Canada, specifically Ontario, for having cheap hydroelectric. But a lot of businesses can't afford their electricity bills over in England. And so, this guy's just saying, well, you just got to accept that you're poor. And this, I think, to me, resonates why I want to do this podcast is because if you just listen to like chief economist of the Bank of England, you think that this would be like some guy who knows what he's talking about and wants to say things that are going to help people. But all he's saying is just accept the fact that you're in a bad situation and it's going to get worse. If you, so if you just listen to these people, you just end up poor. So you need alternative sources of information for the economy, right? You need sources that are based in reality, like the reality of the fact that we are living through another financial crisis at the moment, right? They're not really talking about it on the news very much because 
it's all a game of trust and if there's and confidence and if there's no trust and confidence then the whole thing falls apart like a what is it what is a phrase phrase like the house of cards it'll fall apart like a house of cards right so in i think in march there was three huge bank failures in the states then that was followed up with an, a bank failure in europe credit suisse then there was another one that just happened last week i believe is a bank bank named first republic i don't know if you guys have heard that or, or know about it at all but there's been another bank failure in in the united states so now there have been four banks failed and one of them is not complete failure because they were able to um, make all their depositors honest but the bank i think just went out of business so the people who had stock i, I think lost out in the bank uh, that was Silvergate, I believe. But so in addition to Silvergate, there's been, let's see, Signature, uh, Silicon Valley, and now First Republic. All these banks have failed and the total assets under management of all these banks have been equal to what we saw during the great financial crisis of 2008. Of if you take all the banks that failed during that time period, which by the way, I did not know, but this is like it ranged in the 30 to 40 number of banks. So something like 30 to 40 banks failed and got consolidated into bigger banks. And at the same time, the total amount of money that was lost that was under management of these banks that failed is equal to the number of assets that was managed by the number of the four banks that failed like in this crisis and we're just getting started right like it's crazy so what's going to happen i don't know but there's a lot of people saying right now that they have a lot of confidence in the strength and stability of the u.s financial system which like when a lot of people start saying that that's when you got to start worrying in the strength and stability of the financial system because they wouldn't be saying it if it was if it was actually strong and stable they just wouldn't need to say it it's that simple and i know most people believe that here in canada where you know we're protected from this kind of stuff we already have the consolidation of the banks into like the big five or whatever so and we have things that are in place that prevent these banks from being insolvent and from losing out but you have to keep in mind that when you know let's say a bunch of banks fail just in the United States only. That's not just going to be contained in the United States only because there's a lot of cross-collateralization between banks and entities and institutions where somebody's asset is over here is somebody else's liability over there. And so there's this panic moment that ensues that creates a contagion where everybody becomes affected. Not only that, but also just the banks, the Canadian banks are subject to the same issues that the American banks are subject to for why they're failing right now. They have a lot of bad government debt, which is worth a lot less, like I think 70 cents or less on the dollar for what they paid for it initially. So, you know, if they have a lot of people who decide to move money out of the banks and they're not able to meet withdrawals without having to sell some of these bonds that are worth a lot less than what they paid for, then they're going to incur a loss that's realized. And if that happens enough times, eventually they're not profitable and then insolvent. 
And that can happen here too. It can happen anywhere. So if you've got money in the bank, you know, the FDIC equivalent here in Canada only insures up to $100,000 in each bank account. So if you've got more than that, probably very few people listening to this who have more than that. But just in case you do, spread it between multiple accounts so that you are better protected. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to bang on my desk. So yeah, make sure your money in the bank's taken care of. And then you might want to consider looking into Bitcoin as well. Reach out to me if you have any questions about Bitcoin. Happy to talk to you one-on-one. Either email me, jmartfit at substack.com or DM me on social media at jmartfit, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, You can reach me on Telegram too at jmartfit as well. I am happy to help on your Bitcoin journey any way I can. All right, with that said, I think I'm done for the day. Thank you, fam. Have a great rest of your week. Be active. Stay grateful. Jmart out.